Greetings one and all. Welcome to another exciting episode of our Other Side podcast series. Today we have a very special guest with us, Commander Dr. Ayal Pink. He is a security and an intelligence expert. He is an Israeli naval veteran and a strategic analyst. Welcome sir. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for hosting me here. without further ado let's get on with a topic for the day that is strategic implications of the sino iranian deal now before we get into the specifics of the agreements mm-hmm. what are your general views on this agreement uh look i think uh, there is nothing new new in this uh in this deal or in this uh, uh pact that between china and iran the strategic cooperation uh, between those two countries uh has a long very long history it's uh, more than 20 25 years of of that so i think it's only a political declaration than a real one uh that is brings that brings something new uh to the neighborhood it's a very long uh one that they have together they they had together from a previous years so I don't think it brings something new else but political declaration about about this uh, cooperation. I see. Now if we go back a little in time and look at uh, Hassan Rouhani's idea of constructive interaction as a key driver of his of Iran's foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Now do you think this massive deal that Iran has landed us on what resulted from this idea of constructive interaction that rohani had started in back in 2014 in if if we will uh, uh i think i think if we will look at iran's uh, strategy and iran's uh, way of thinking iran uh, looks itself and uh, wants to become a regional uh, influencer major uh, uh, political influencer in the region which means to be influencer from the mediterranean sea uh, to uh, straits of hormuz and and to pakistan these are this are, is the vision of of iran to be the ruler uh, in the territory f- the ruler and the the, uh, the factor the major factor in, in iraq in syria in lebanon uh, in all those territories so i think uh, it's not it's not the end of iran's uh, constructive uh, interaction doctrine on the contrary it's something that make our most it's make our most stronger uh, bring uh, bring iran more uh, money and more uh, abilities to 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 implement uh, this uh, this doctrine so i think it's only the revive of iran's uh, strategy now given the fact that rouhani may not run again next year's elections can we see iran moving away from this idea of constructive interaction or can we see rouhani's successor going through or going ahead with this idea further rouhani rouhani is not the one that really control the country and not really the one that says what iran should do or not should do this this is uh, the the way that iran acts perform Uh, implementing uh, its political regime and uh, uh, 
the other things that Iran does for military and the other interaction that Iran has, it's, it's doing or it's de being decided by the Ayatollah's uh, regime or by the Ayatollah's uh, uh, council. So Rouhani is the one that comes and implements most of that. I think he has some kind of freedom to say what he wants, but mainly or the main things that Rouhani does is implementing the Ayatollah's council's uh, decisions. So uh, I think if, there will, if the, the Ayatollah's regime will continue to rule in Iran, it doesn't really matter who will be uh, the one that will stand in, uh, as uh, uh, the one that leads the country. Because leading the country means to implement the Aitula's uh, council uh, decisions, as I said before. Now, uh, in 2018, after the US withdrew itself from the Iranian nuclear deal, they adopted something known as the maximum pressure strategy that John Bolton had initiated. Now, this was aimed to deter Tehran's future operations against the US and to further deter Tehran's nuclear capability and missile power. Now, critics of this believe that, first of all, it has completely failed to end any aggression of the Iranian regime and in any significant way, and has also exacerbated tensions in the Middle East. And it definitely did not put an end to Iran's nuclear enrichment, uranium enrichment program. Now, now, do you think that this maximum pressure strategy has, has pushed Iran into the arms of China? Uh, no, the matter of fact, no. Uh, you know, the pressure, I, I, I would not call uh, Iran's uh, strategy as a pressure strategy. I think the, it's a very smart nation that plays a chess uh, on on the uh, on the map of the world, and they really understand when to to put pressure and not not, and when not. And if we look at Iranians uh, and on Iran China's relationships in the last twenty years, uh, China really uh, uh, needs Iran, and uh, looking at energy point of view. Uh, so in the last twenty years, China really. Uh, really matter about about our energy, really concerned about our energy. And uh, Iran is, is the big supplier, the biggest supplier of, of China with, with that. Yeah. So the relationships were there. Uh, Iran, uh, you, you spoke about missiles and, and weapons. Uh, so the main, main uh, stream of, uh, of weapons in Iran is China. You can look at ballistic missiles and cruise missiles and anti-ship missiles and other weapon systems in Iran, they are being based upon Chinese knowledge about chain transfer of knowledge from China to India, to, sorry, to Iran, and building in Iran uh, a production line for the Chinese weapon. Many, lots of knowledge came from China to Iran, nuclear missiles, weapon systems, other technologies. So I... Uh, I think that this situation is not changing anything really. And it's not that they, I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that in my perspective that US are not performing well in, in the Straits of Hormoz and in this region. Uh, but saying that is not, it's not meaning that uh, Iran is being pushed to China. It, they were always together in the, at least for 20 years 
So they have a solid relationships, very close one, very intimate relationships. So I don't think this will push it, will push Iran furthermore to Chinese arms. I think it's, it's a natural cooperation that, that is over there for many years. Now, when, when the U.S. had actually started using this maximum pressure strategy, they wanted to alienate Iran from the rest of the world by imposing sanctions and embargoes on it. But it has definitely failed, and China in China has scoped in and used this opportunity to renew its and solidify its ties with Iran. Yeah. Well, well and so and, and, yes, I didn't understand the question. Sorry. No, no, just on okay. Now, now, if we look at the deal itself, it's quite mind-boggling in terms of what the deal aims to achieve in matters of security and infrastructure. For example, the project includes airports, high-speed railways in some ways, and China is developing various key trade zones in within Iran. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the details that caught my attention within this deal was that the, this agreement also includes proposals for China to build the infrastructure for 5G telecommunication network to offer the Chinese new Chinese global positioning system Beidou and to help Iranian authorities assert greater control over what circulates in their cyberspace. Now, this would virtually mean that China is being given control over such a large cyberspace in a very vital region of the world. How do you see this? Uh, how, how can we categorize this as part of the ongoing cyber campaign? Uh, from from the Chinese campaign, I think it's from from the Chinese story point of view. I think it's one more step in the big pro in the big program or project or initiative we call the Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, China yeah. in the last ten years promoting uh, many steps, strategic and economical steps, all over the world. I think uh, you in India. Uh, in Sri Lanka, Israel, uh, Greek, Greece, uh, Cyprus, and other European and African countries and Asian countries, we, we see the involvement of, of China in our economics, in, in buying infrastructures, in taking control of national infrastructures, uh, and building the line of commerce, the Chinese line of commerce that will be for their own benefit, to bring uh, commercial goods, to bring energy, and for other, other purposes, including uh, bringing money to, to China. I think this is another step at the BRI, the Belt and Road Initiative uh, of China. So they are being based in Iran. It's another amazing uh, uh, point to get leap into, into the, the part of world of, that is north to, to Iran, Pakistan and all the, the other uh, countries over there. Uh, so I think it's natural, looking at from the Chinese point, perspective, natural in how to implement or go on with the Belt and Road Initiative that they already started many, many years ago. And another important aspect of this agreement that I came across was that this agreement has two proposed port facilities that will be provided to the provided to the Chinese. Now, one of them is at a place called Jasa, which is right outside the state of Hormuz and at the entrance of the Persian. Yeah. Now, if Chinese were given port facilities, this would give the Chinese a very strategic foothold in this very vital waterway that is the state of Hormuz. Mm-hmm. 
Now, what will be the implications of this on the state of Hormuz crisis between, that is ongoing between Iran and the U.S.? And further, how will this affect the U.S. naval fleet in this region, which is based not very far away in the... Yeah. I, I think uh, the U.S. Navy already uh, is facing in the last eight, nine years, is facing uh, many challenges in the Straits of Hormuz. Uh, lots of incidents yeah. that occurred over there. Uh, and another base, another Chinese base over there, uh, including uh, intelligence base, intelligence gathering base, like they declared about it uh, two weeks ago, something like that. And the presence of the Chinese Navy will impose much more challenges and much more difficulties on the U.S. Navy's operations over there. Uh, it will be harder for them to operate there freely. And I think uh, if something will occur between Iran and, and the U.S., which I mean some kind of maritime campaign or even aerial campaign between those two countries, uh, this is something that will strengthen the Iranian and will give them a very a good leverage against the American. So I think the, the presence of Chinese military forces, Navy, Air Force, and others, intelligence, of course, in the Straits of Hormuz, helping uh, the Iranian, this is a very, uh, uh, very, very uh, important declaration uh, that says to the U.S. Uh, Navy, watch out, uh, we are here. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's, as I said, it will impose uh, many, many challenges and threats in the U.S. Navy and uh, in, this, in this region. Now, moving on to the implications that this deal can have on the South Asian hemisphere. Let, let's talk about Pakistan first. Pakistan stands to gain tremendously out of this deal. Now, one of the first things that happened when this deal was announced was that India was dropped by Iran in its uh, key railway project connecting the Chawar port to the Ziranj province in Afghanistan. And this came as a good news. This came as good news to Pakistan because Pakistan sees any Indian investment on its western border border as a direct national security. How do you think? What What, what do you think this deal will have? Uh, how will it? How will, how it will affect relations between Iran and Pakistan? I think that the relationships between Iran and Pakistan and Pakistan and China are very good. I think uh, the relationships over there uh, will be strengthened because of that. You can see that, I'm sure that you know that much better than I, that uh, Pakistan, many of, of, let's say, after after uh, U.S., involvement in Pakistan and the help of the U.S. to Pakistan's, uh, to build up the Pakistan military. You see today uh, many, many platforms and the capabilities that Pakistan acquired from China as ships, like aircrafts, like missiles. So China is helping Pakistan to build their own forces. And I think that triangle and the relationship between China, Pakistan, and Iran is something that is very important to Pakistan and also to Iran. And I think that uh, this fact 
that there is now triangle between those two, be, between those three countries, will impose threat to all of the region. I think that you see, you will see it in the Indian, in the Indian Ocean. You'll see it in the Arab, Arabic Ocean, in Strait of Hormuz, and of course, of course, of course, also in the South uh, China Sea. So I think that in a broad aspect, looking in this amazing part of the world, uh, this triangle of Pakistan, China, Iran, uh, is, a, is a very important declaration that says we are uh, the one that rules the region, we are, have the, the most or the greatest impact on the region, and it's, uh, it's signaling that uh, we should be aware we, I think, I mean, the Indian Navy, the U.S. forces over there, I think it's a very important, uh, in their perspective, triangle of cooperation. If we, historically, relations between Pakistan and Iran haven't been good, mainly owing to Pakistan's closeness with Saudi. But we, we've, seen, we've seen recent signs or trends which show that there are that signs of normalization between these two countries, that is Iran and Pakistan. For example, in 2018, when Riyadh had asked Pakistan to send its military to fight in a Saudi-led coalition against the Houthi rebels that were backed with Iran, Pakistan refused to send uh -huh. its military. And recently, Iran reciprocated this by taking Pakistan's side on the Kashmir issue and condemning uh, India on the abrogation of uh -huh. Article 370. These, these are signs that we can take up on. But do you think that China is the factor that plays in the normalization of relations between Iran and Pakistan, or it, it would have happened otherwise? As well. I, 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 uh, I, I do think that in the last two or three years, uh, the relationship between Pakistan and Iran became much more close and much more uh, better. Even, or maybe even if they're not showing the signs in the political arena, but looking in the military and in the other aspects, I think, the relationship between those two countries start to become more, much more closer. And I think China is one of the drivers to do it even, even more. So I think China is a big driver and, and uh, I think she will, uh, she will uh, be a uh, much more uh, factor that say that the, the, uh, the relationship between those, those three countries and especially between Pakistan and Iran, will be better. This is, this is my belief, and uh, this is my, uh, how, I, how I uh, see things in that. It, I agree with your point. But, and then also Iran has expressed its interest in the part, uh, in past, that it wants to join the CPEC, that is the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, and that would you know, further enhance the triangle you talk about. Mm -hmm. Now, if we, if we look at, now, since we're talking about this triangle, if you look at the security aspect within this, now, Pakistan has been fighting the Baloch people who operate, who operate mainly along the Pakistan's border with mm -hmm. Iran. And in recent times, these Baloch people have been seen as a threat by the Chinese as well because most of Chinese interests in this region are being threatened by these people. And uh, to this effect, there, I believe that this would lead to greater intel sharing and cooperation between Iran and China. And that is something that Pakistan can really benefit out of. And further, there are talks about 
a possibility of a china iran pakistan joint military force for further intel sharing and carrying out targeted operations against these so called militants now how viable and effective do you think such a force a joint military force will be and what do you think the implications of this will be on india because it definitely won't go down go down well in delhi that such a such a force is operating not too far away from the border yeah i think uh, you know uh, there are three countries different language different culture but uh, starting to do the same systems so i do believe that starting the cooperation will enlarge and enhance the the capability of cooperation of military cooperation this this will not will not be a miracle it will take time it will take the coordination and i i i believe that we will see more and more uh, uh mutual drills mutual exercise at sea and on, in in air just to in order to to understand each other to to have the ability to work together and i think it's a process that will take few years to to make this uh, cooperation in 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 coordination in military aspects will do uh that will will do efficient this is from it, it won't be in, it won't go in one day it's a process but i think it's a process that already started and it's only a matter of time and uh, the will of the sides to to do it to do it together and i think they have the will about the implication for um for uh, for india i think that implication uh, for india will be that looking at pakistan it's not only uh, pakistan it's also and uh, it's also china and uh, uh it's it's a matter of, of friction and i truly I truly uh assess that the friction if it will be um, will be more uh and more will be larger in this in this area the indian the indian navy will uh will fill it and i think uh i truly hope nothing will happen and everything will be in peace but i think this impose larger a threat and on on india forces uh this is what i think about that now if we talk about india and, and implications of this agreement on india this agreement has definitely come as a shock and as and as tremendously hampered india's relations with iran which was already in trouble after the numerous us sanctions and india it has always viewed iran as a very strategic partner in west asian region but this agreement has potentially put an end to that now there are two possible questions that arise from that that i have i have for you sir now the first is where does india go from here with respect to west asia and finding a new strategic partner in this region Uh, india looking for a new uh, partnerships this is what you asked yes sir yeah in in the west asian yeah. region now since iran is not okay. yeah i think i think the the main uh, the, the the two main strategic partners that india in this region uh, can have it's one is australia and the second one is in the us uh because i think that india and the us and and australia have have lots of in common especially uh, looking uh, towards uh, uh china and china as a as a major player in this region that does all the mess over there 
So I think uh, this will be the most natural way. Even I understand the difficulties with the U.S. I think that uh, U.S. And, and Australia will be the natural uh, partners for, for that. Do you think Israel can be a new strategic partner for India in this region? I think that India and Israel are strategic partners from or since we have a peace agreement and political uh, uh, agreement before, be, between, all, between two countries. And I think uh, uh, it's amazing cooperation, amazing relationships. And it's something that is very, very natural and very strong, the bond between, those two, between the two countries. Looking in military aspect, I don't think that Israel has the ability to help India in military aspect. We have a, a small military. Uh, we have only 10% uh, of your ships and your military is much, much bigger. And I don't see any kind of scenario that Israeli military comes to the aid of India. But I think looking at other perspective that Israel is a, a strategical partnership for India, it's look at its weapon systems, technology, uh, and other things that Israel can contribute, I say it modestly, uh, to India by, by its, you know, but the other uh, things that are not sending troops to India to help. I think this is this a scenario that won't be uh, because of the amount of soldiers that we have. But looking as weapon system, missiles, technology transfer, I think this, this partnership is strategic one for both uh, sides. Now, secondly, and more importantly, what brings out the, the question that, that comes up is, Iran was India's gateway to Afghanistan and to further into the Central Asian republics. And the Chabar port was a very key aspect of that. What alternatives do you think India has now to reach Afghanistan and further into the Central Asian republics? Uh, I... I think that the most uh, the most uh, common way is just to you know to have to have straight and go straight to to your customer as we say in business. You just can go straight to the Afghanistan and do do uh, and make the relationship between India and Afghanistan without the need to to have some mediator. And I think this will be the most uh, easiest way to do it. India doesn't share any border with Afghanistan. We, we have that 150 kilometer border that is under Pakistan occupied Kashmir. And Chabar port was our way to send our, you know, to continue a trade along with, with Afghanistan. Once now that is closed, how do you think we can continue our trade with Afghanistan and further take it to Central Asia? Because there's no land route anymore. And the water route is also cut off now. This is true, but the, the other way is to do it by aerial, which is much expensive. Uh, you can transfer less things through, uh, if you compare it to uh, a ground uh, transportation. But uh, the other way is to go by air. I don't think there is another uh, capa uh, capability. Finally, we, we come to the latest 
Israel UAE deal that has that is coming coming up uh-huh. and it's set to be signed on September 15th at the White House. Uh-huh. Now, do you think what 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 effects do you think that this new Israeli UAE deal will have on this? Will 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 have on China's engagement with Iran and in the Middle East? Uh huh. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, I think uh, first, uh, I think it's a very critical move and very uh, important move that says that, uh, and you know, uh, according to our culture, that we want peace. And this uh, peace agreement uh, for us is very important uh, uh, as a culture. Secondly, I think that if Saudi Arabia will go to this agreement also, we'll, we'll share uh, our same vision of, of peace in the region. I think it will be amazing to see that the Sunni countries uh, will have a, a peace with Israel. I think for trade, for economy, this is very important, very critical, and will develop the region tremendously in everything for both countries. And if Saudi Arabia will join, also for Saudi Arabia. So I think looking at perspective of, of, uh, of commercial, of technology, it will, be, it will bring prosperity to the, to the region. Secondly, looking, at, uh, at looking towards Iran or Pakistan, I think it transmits uh, to Iran and to China a message that we are uh, all together. And I think it will increase if it's not already increased, the tension between Iran and the Sunni countries and Iran and Israel. Uh, so now we have, uh, you know, it's like, a, it's like two tactile moves of, of, of in that something is happening. I think it's too, uh, it's too early to understand what it will be, what will be the consequences of that. But I'm sure it will bring many, many changes to the region uh, economically, technology, and unfortunately also looking at uh, campaign or war perspective. And uh, I think we have to wait another year or two in order to understand what, what is happening and what will be the consequences of that. Do you think that this new Israel-UAE agreement, peace agreement that has come up was in some, somehow response to the Iran-China deal? And is that why U.S. is playing such a keen role in negotiating this peace agreement between Israel and UAE? I think uh, you, the U.S. Uh, has two uh, major motivations for that. First, the U.S. for, for many, many decades uh, looks at, herself, at itself as uh, the world uh, leader. And uh, you, everywhere they go, they want to bring peace. It was in Iraq and Afghanistan. It was in the Maghreb countries, in the European countries. Uh, I think that in the perspective of the U.S. culture, this is something that is very important to make peace and to bring peace, uh, world peace. This is one perspective. The second perspective, I think, I think it's absolutely because they, they want to, on the other end of Pakistan, China, and Iran, this front, now you have another front that it's not only the U.S., it's U.S. and UAE and Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Israel. So I think this is the, the frontier 
that goes to and say to, to Iran, Pakistan and China, we are here and we have more power uh, because of this uh, peace agreement. And it makes much more influence of the U.S. in this region by that. Well, there were predictions a few years ago that if there is a division, that if there will be a division in the Muslim world, it will be on the basis of Shia and so on. Mm-hmm. Right now, but if we if we now see we see Shia countries coming along with Sunni countries, and and I I think that China is a factor that is causing this. And now, if there is a division that has to come within the Muslim world, it will come through the factor that there is there is China. China will be the factor that is dividing or making countries camp against each other. Do you think that is that is a fair assumption to make? I think that China uh, don't. Don't pay attention if it's a Sunni or Shi country. This is not this is not the purpose. Of course, it's t- it's taken. I, I think taken under consideration when China does its moves. But I think the basic idea is to implement the Belt and Road Initiative. This is the most important uh, part. How to implement it? And of course, when you implement these kind of moves, like the Belt and Road, or Road Initiative. In some places of the world, you start to feel the, the tension. For as for example, the Arabic Sea, and for example, uh, the South China Sea. So, uh, if you are as China in such a place or in such condition that you you have you have to face this tension, you want to gather uh, with you partners that will be not not only uh, economical par- uh, uh, parties, but also with military capabilities that will have, they can have the support of them and to show the power, the relative power between uh, their countries, the supportive countries and the other uh, countries. Finally, sir, now since Iran and since China is engaging so, so tremendously with all these Muslim nations, why do you think none of these Muslim nations have been very vocal or very against China when it comes to the China statement of the Uyghur Muslims, um, I don't, I, I don't, uh, I don't really sure that it's a factor uh, for China or for the other countries. I think it's a factor how much fi- how much China wants to invest in this country, how, how China wants really to conquer, if I may say it, uh, those countries economically, uh, point of from point of view. So I don't, I don't think it's a really a factor, really, in this game. Uh, this is my own perspective. For With this, we've come to an end of another episode of the Other Side podcast series. I would like to take this opportunity and thank Commander Dr. Eyal Pinko for his time and his knowledge. Thank you so much, sir.